Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we cover the Summer Showdown Tournament, the Overwatch League Bake Off, and the potential nerfs for the future. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's gameplay segment of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Uh, we had the Summer Showdown this week, which was fantastic. It was <laughs> Everyone's bracket was completely destroyed. Um, no... I, I'd be surprised if anyone actually had their full bracket intact by the end of this. Uh, please tell me what your secret is. Um, how was your week in gaming, Kevin? Uh, my my week has been pretty good. Um, we just caught a couple Overwatch games, casting um, Overwatch this weekend, so I got to get ready for that. Um, but other than that, I've been really just chilling, playing Persona 5 uh, Royal for the most part on uh, my PS4. Uh, waiting for Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, playing a lot of Pokemon recently. Um, there, a lot of my friends are getting back into it since the uh, expansion came out like a little bit ago, and we're all kind of back in the groove and waiting until the the second half of the expansion comes out. Uh, how about you, Matt? How, how's gaming going for you? I've been playing a lot of uh, Call of Duty World War II and Star Wars Battlefront too, just because they were free on playstation plus um but my my internet's really 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 bad so i'll be playing a game and then i'll be at like this happened last night i was at the top of the leaderboard for my side and then my internet decided you know what let's not have you be on the top of the leaderboard so it would it would freak out so my my character would be running and then he'd stop and i couldn't I, I couldn't turn i couldn't jump i couldn't move couldn't shoot and then everyone's running around me and the enemy team sees me just standing there it's like oh this kid's afk let's kill him so um it's frustrating it's fun but just internet problems dude also waiting for ghost of tsushima so that mm -hmm. should be fun um yeah and then i are you planning on getting cyberpunk when it comes out because i saw some of the new footage and it looks fantastic um, I'm I'm thinking about it. I I don't know if I am really big into that whole um into the whole cyberpunk uh -huh. aspect of it. I know that a lot of my friends who were into Borderlands are like 100% on board with it. Um, but I don't know if I'll finish Ghost of Tsushima before like cyberpunk comes out. So uh, I'm gonna take it one game at a time, <laughs> especially since uh, for sure we're, we're, we in that Rona state right now. So. Uh, don't want to don't want to spend too much and then uh not play it so oh, that's, that myself. reminds me of something like it, it's not anything big but i saw an article by some blogger let me see if i still have it um it's it's a, it's from a, a medium blogger um whose name is if it'll load yeah so it's from medium blogger Steve Rousseau. He said his whole article was essentially like gaming during the during the pandemic says it's becoming like it's kind of like work right now and how it's it's a routine for a lot of people and it's 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 part of what's helping keep people sane. Mhm. Mm yeah, the the only difference is like 
one you're getting paid for and one you have to pay for uh, <laughs> like i i rather spend my money and make sure that i'm sane uh than to you know not work and just be rocking back and forth in a corner um I've, I've been i've been able to prioritize that pretty well honestly um i'm fine with you know at least what we have going on uh so far just like finding games that i like to play finding friends who are willing to play with me or uh you know help me grow what i'm what i'm trying to do so um yeah at least on stream so far if you guys want to follow i'm kanashi gg on twitch um i'm i'm pretty much just playing pokemon and like talking with friends um that that's honestly the best way to keep sane and uh on occasion you know we play raft um that that's a full survival game where you have to you know full teamwork it's just stuff like that and that's staying connected while being separate and that's just one of the most important pieces right now at least I haven't played Pokemon in so long. I don't think I haven't beaten uh, Shield, so it's just yeah, it's on my back burner. It I was one Animal of those Animal Crossing games. in like two weeks, and I feel really yeah. Good about it. <laughs> That's another game that like it's it's collecting dust on my on my dresser they right now. They just came out with the diving update too, and I'm just like I'm too busy. Yeah, there, there's just things where I'm like I want to play it, but I don't like I I'm kind of absorbed in one thing. Um, I want to. I definitely do want to play Animal Crossing, and when I get to that, I feel like um, a lot of my friends still like egging me on to to bring it in, and you know, they're just like, you know, just play, just play the game, just start it up. Like I don't, I don't care what you do, and I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do it eventually. And they're like, do it today. I'm like, Pokemon. <laughs> there's more stuff that I need to work on. And they're like, you could be working on your island right now. <laughs> I'm like. Okay, that, I haven't even right. done terraforming in my island. I just like going fishing and digging for fossils. That's all I like doing and going to different islands. There we go. Yeah, I'm just trying to find a nice way to like balance everything. Like during the day before before dinner, I'm playing single player games and then after dinner I'm playing, you know, like my Valorant, my Overwatch. Um That's a good just, balance. It's a good balance because then my parents don't have to like kick down the door and be like, "We got to go right now." And I'm like, "I uh it's a ranked game can't can't move uh so yeah and no just single player pokemon only until uh until dinner is either served or somebody kicks out my door uh it's one or the other let's get into the summer showdown tournament so much like the the may melee tournament this was a a bracket tournament first place wins fifty thousand dollars second place wins twenty five thousand third place i believe is ten thousand uh plus $5,000 for every game that your team has won. Um, first place winner also gets three wins to their uh, their season score, I guess you can call it. Then two, then one extra win. So day one, we had the Dallas Fuel going against the Paris Eternal, the Houston Outlaws going against the Florida Mayhem, the Toronto Defiant going against the LA Valiant, and the Washington Justice going against the LA Gladiators for the, the knockout uh, segment of the North American region. Um, nothing really. I mean, one one game went according to prediction today. Uh, the Dallas Fuel lost to the Paris Eternal one to three, but the rest were like really really weird upsets. The Houston Outlaws beat the Florida Mayhem three to one. The Toronto Defiant beat the LA Valiant three to one, and the Washington Justice beat the LA Gladiators three to one. And I believe I remember reading 
in one of the little blurbs that they flash on screen, little facts. This is the first time this has ever happened where the Houston Outlaws, the Toronto Defiant, and the Justice all moved up in, in the rankings in a tournament for Overwatch. Like, this was, this was really, really weird. I was not expecting any of this. Just the bracket upset from here on out, dude. Yeah, that is honestly what it was. Like, most people just think, you know, this is easy wins for, you know, higher tier teams. They know they know what they're going to do, whatever, X, Y, and Z. But, like, day one, I, I was watching the first game. I was like, okay, yeah, 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 Paris, Paris is going to win this. And then you watch the other ones and you're like, wait, what happened here? Like, what what alternate universe are we in right now? How did the, how did the Florida Mayhem lose? Like, how did the Valiant lose to the Defiant? Like, X, Y, and Z. Like, most of us were, you know, were really like skeptical about these teams actually getting out of the first round but uh you know just as a lot of the teams are are saying you know the the actual summer showdown tournament is always a toss-up you never know what's going to happen um and once again that's what makes uh that's what makes esports a very interesting competitive sport like the this was i think even more of a surprise than the main melee because the main melee, the surprise is really only at the end. This one, like we, the surprise happened in the beginning. So everyone's bracket was just completely messed up and no one knew what was going to happen. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the, the, that's one of the best things I think about this tournament format is that back when it was just games each week without any real tournament to look forward to, like you could kind of predict what's going to happen because there's like no pressure. There's no, um, there's not really a goal to work forward to. There's no real chance for any upset. So when a team won that wasn't supposed to, win, it's like, oh, okay, like maybe the the other team was having an off day. In this, it's like there's actual consequence to having that off day. Yeah, you're you're not allowed to have one off day when it comes to the tournament. You either win it or you just you you don't and. You, you really do want to win these. It's kind of, I, I don't know how to say it. It's really weird, honestly, to see, you know, teams climb up. But honestly, it's that unexpected aspect that makes it, uh, makes it interesting. For sure. Um, so the Outlaws versus the Mayhem. The Outlaws were the number 10 seed and the Mayhem were the number 7 seed. So the Mayhem had the choice between facing the Outlaws and the Fuel. And my guess was they thought that since they already had faced the Outlaws, they already knew what they were coming into and expecting, um, they felt that the Outlaws were probably the easier pick. Um, we'll never know what would have happened had they gone otherwise, but obviously the Outlaws were not the easy pick. Um, Florida did win that first match just because they were getting, I think, more value from their ultimates and they were getting better picks. They won that one easily. Uh two to zero both points went for the florida mayhem but after that it was just all the the houston outlaws like for blizzard world um the mayhem had a had a very good first hold on that second point but like the outlaws in general they started showing that they, they were getting better at their alt usage they were getting better pickoffs um and they were going more aggressive than i think the florida mayhem were prepared for um hanamura was a really it was a long one. It went for three rounds of, of attack and defense. But I mean, I think for this one, this was a really messy one. Um, but what really stood out here was the Widows. Like, Lynxer on Widow was 
just insane. BQB also on on Widow was really good. Um, and whereas Yaki used used to be like one of the reasons why we were paying attention to the Genji, I feel like in this point he wasn't an issue. Like Dante, Dante was not as good as Yaki, but at least Dante was getting results. I almost forgot Yaki was there because he just kept getting picked off and wasn't getting any value out of his blades. Um, another thing about the way the Mayhem were playing was when they were on Hanamura, if you if you look at their attack, their first one, like they just kept going for that high ground. I know the high ground is in Hanamura, high ground on a point two is the best way to to push in, right? Because you can you you've got the cover for the wall and you can just drop down on a point when you need to, right? Mm-hmm. But when it's not working the entire time and you've got the outlaws who are just literally denying you every time and you're just brute forcing that way. Like, isn't it time to find another approach? Like the outlaws did it. They just went straight through to through Maine and then they were able to take it when they, they did the attack. Um, but like, I, I think that also really killed the mayhem. Their, their inability to, to adapt and, and find different strategies when what was happening wasn't working. But like, just as as a strategic outlook for for you, Kevin, as a coach, if you see your team is is pushing through that top right, for from the attacker's perspective, that top right side, like it's not working. Where do you go there next? What what is the uh, the best way to push? Uh, I would, honestly, I'm more inclined to go off to the left side, like flank through the back and hop across the gap from point one. Mm-hmm. So. It really just depends on what they had available. Um, I know that a lot of teams in this tournament opted for like Baptiste and Brig for the most part. Um, the Brig for the counter uh, and Baptiste were just this stain. But um, honestly, yeah, you can't just slam your head into a wall and hope that like it'll work. Uh, it, it doesn't work. You got to change it up. Um, the one that I would have done this is just my personal this is my personal tech you guys could steal it uh say that you know i gave it to you but like on hanamura what you do is uh you send one person who's got some mobility up to that same spot right to kind of check and what that'll do is that they'll be like oh okay well there's at least somebody here the rest of the team goes in the middle but instead of going over the bridge you go to the left you go hard right near that mega health pack and you go underneath and so while they're trying to focus down that one person who's got evasiveness or whatever the rest of your team is just snaking underneath and because of that they don't have a sight line to you and you can contest the point if you really want to get cheeky with it what you do is you draw them out of that spot and you try to you try to make them come out and get that one solo person you push through that as quickly as you can, you take the stairs from them. You go, you go around them, around on the right, and you force them off the high ground. Like there are multiple ways of getting there without being noticed. And yeah, sometimes you can do what uh, I remember. Cogswell College did this quite a bit, where they'd send three up, um, and then they send their three fastest players to like the bottom part and just flank. So you're essentially getting pincered in, and the moment that one half pushes. Um, they all just kind of collapse on whoever's not paying attention. So it's it's kind of an interesting idea, but just make sure to think outside the box. If at that point, if something's not working, you have to change something. Mm-hmm. 
And I think in the end, it was just the aggression from the outlaws that where has it been? You know, like the outlaws are a team where they will have those moments of greatness and people will be like, oh, is, is the outlaws team having a resurgence? And then they'll lose it. I mean, they lost in the tournament because after this, they were going up against the San Francisco Shock, who, yes, they've beaten before, but the Shock are still a long shot win for them. But I mean, this, this look for them without um, without Muma is actually a lot more cohesive and aggressive. And the question for me is just like, why has it taken you this long to find it? And will you be able to keep it up? Because if you're able to keep it up, then you can significantly, you can significantly establish yourself as a middle tier team because... They're winning now. Linkser and Dante are a really good pair. And Hydration is just much more of a stable tank than Muma ever was. Yeah, I do agree with with that whole sentiment. Like, I feel like they're just solid now. Uh, they're, they were kind of all over the place going into, like, the first half of the season. But I feel like they finally found their groove. Um uh, and yeah, they they did really well against the mayhem. Yeah, Dante and Linkser just finding perfect picks when they needed to. Um, and yeah, that's just it's just unfortunate that like the mayhem kind of brought this Genji meta up, and then uh, they couldn't couldn't really clean it up. And so the the other one of these upsets that I watched was the Defiant versus the Valiant. Defiant were eleventh seed. Valiant were fifth seed. So this was a this was an even bigger gap in skill or not skill or, or bigger gap in placement than the outlaws in the mayhem. And in an interview, Packing Ten said the reason why they chose the Toronto Defiant was just because they think that they're bad. Um, sure, Packing Ten, y'all lost. Um, I really I I don't know how really they lost here because when I was watching the the Valiant looked like they should have been winning pretty much all of these maps is just really stupid decisions that they made that I guess kind of took them out of contention. Like they, they looked a little bit too reliant on the dragon blade where I feel like the defiant had a better, a better rounded team, which might have been it. And also like just stupid decisions like on Anubis um, when it was the Valiant's turn to attack, they swapped from their double shield to a dive Resetting all of their tank ults, the dive was immediately shut down because um, I forget who was playing Winston, but he, he dove in and just got immediately deleted. And then they switched back to the double shield tanks, and there's there's literally no momentum there anymore. So I, I, I'm still unsure how the Valiant lost this one, but I think if anything, it was they weren't as flexible as they needed to be. And when they tried to be flexible, it was they were really stupid about it yeah when it comes down to competitive esports i feel like the biggest thing um that's different between that and like regular sports is if you mess up in a regular sport you always have a chance to come back just due to like sheer like playability in video games it's pretty much the team that makes the least number of mistakes wins the game um and if you mess up once, like sometimes you'll never get that opportunity ever again. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's one of those things where literally split second decisions determine if you win or not. And you know the team once again, the team that makes the least number of mistakes usually wins it. Um, so 
hopefully that, that plays out uh, later on. But yeah, you can't really just let your foot off the gas because you think you have it. You have to, you have to finish them. Okay, so moving on to day two. Um, this one went a little bit more according to what probably people would have thought. Um, so on Saturday, the Paris Eternal, for, for the North American region, for the Paris Eternal, um, they took it 3-1 over the Vancouver Titans. Toronto Defiant took it 3-2 over the Atlanta Reign. Um, the Washington Justice lost 0-3 to the San Francisco Shock. Um, and the the Outlaws lost to the Philly Fusion. Um, yeah, there's not really much there that was of a lot of interest. Um, on for the Asian region, the Chengdu Hunters lost 0-3 to the Gongzhou Charge. The Seoul Dynasty beat the London Spitfire 3-1. to um, And the Hangzhou Spark lost 0-3 to the New York Excelsior. Um, anything stand out to you on day two, Kevin? Uh, profit on day two uh, for the Asia region. Um, yeah, you can't... Just because, like, you're, you're going to know what happens to them the next day. But, like... Profit on Genji is still really scary. They only lost to their next round because they they were not as clean as they were day one. So day one, I feel like, you know, Seoul really put on a show um, against the, the London Spitfire. But the second that they had to go against the Shanghai Dragons, they got shut down because they kind of knew their tactic. Um, but honestly, like, that, that was a standout game for me. Um, just... It shows that Seoul has some bright moments, but they are really a coin flip team. I don't, I don't know if they're going to do well or not. Um, it's just unfortunate at, at that fact. Um, Asia region, other than that, was like pretty, pretty spot on. Same thing with you know day two for uh, for what is it for the North American region? Um, I thought the the rain versus the Toronto Defiant game was actually really close though. Um, it was a three to two, so it was you know relatively close, um, but yeah. At, at first, I, I I thought the rain was going to take it, but you know the the defiant really just pushed their way through and uh, figured themselves out on Kings Row and Volskaya, um, and yeah, it, those two just helped them with the momentum and push on through. Okay, so for day three, um, this was a really long day. Um, let's start with Asia, just because that's where I have the notes. Um, the Toronto... No, that's not Asia. That's America. Um, Asia. So, uh, the Seoul Dynasty did lose to the Shanghai Dragons 0-3, um, which I, I would have liked to have seen a, a a closer rematch considering how well Seoul did against the Dragons in the May Melee, but... Again, the Dragons are, are a hugely strong team. And the Dynasty, while they do have their moments of greatness and they do have potential, again, it's a coin flip. Are they going to show up today or are they not? Um, the NYXL lost 0-3 to the Gangjo Charge, which, again, I would have liked to see the NYXL put up more of a fight. But like we've said in the past, they have a habit of, of not performing when it comes to the the games that matter like they'll be good in leading up to where they need to perform 
and then comes the big game, and then poof, they're gone. Uh, and the Gongjo Charge have just always been a very strong team. Um, and then comes the finals, the Gongjo Charge and the Shanghai Dragons, which... Who who did you have winning this, Kevin? No, uh, I, I mean, I feel like everybody was was behind me when I said I thought the Dragons were going to take it. Okay, yeah. But, like, oh, we'll, we'll get into the details, but there there's one player in particular that I would like to highlight. Okay, so this was uh, I'm I'm having trouble like describing because the Shanghai Dragons like I I had them winning this handily, like maybe not four and zero. Oh. Okay, also the, I really don't like the four the first to four format of the finals, like it it completely one it's too long like it's it's a pain watching them go first to four for me. Um, cause you've got matches going like in, in the North American region, it went to seven maps and it was three and a half hours long. That's like, that's an entire afternoon gone watching this. And also like it changes the dynamic of how the teams have been playing in the past. Like again, with, uh, the May melee, the soul Dy- had it been first to three, the soul dynasty would have won it. You know, I, I just, I, I don't know why they have to go first to four. I can see maybe they're trying to like definitively establish who's the stronger team, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I, I understand the whole like I think the only reason why they do first to four is because they want every map to be played at least once. And okay, when you have that kind of thing going on though, it drags on for so long that people start losing interest. Like I do understand, like, yes, I, I understand if there's a tie or whatever, like, then you move on to the next map. But, like, if you get stomped, like, oh, and three, right? Like, you should not be able to play that fourth map. Like, that's, I, I think that's, that's fine as is. Like, I don't think they needed, you know, the first to four format. Like, still a best of three format would, would still work out just fine. Like as much as we loved seeing the dragons with their reverse sweep, it was too much. Well, I mean, and they made melee. So charge v dragons. So this is the way the the map one loss thing happened. So Ilios was a charge win, dragons was a charge win, and Anubis was a charge win. So I mean, had they gone the first three anyway, the charge would have won handily anyway. Then the Dragons got their two wins on Gibraltar and Busan, but then those World of Charge were able to to finish it up. I think mainly it, for the Charge winning, it was they played well around their ults better than the Dragons did. They were just charging them up better, and they were had a lot more synergy. Oh, yeah, and on Busan, the Dragons C9'd on the downtown map, which was funny to see because they were so... The Dragons were so aggressive, and they were winning Busan, but... <laughs> And they did win Busan in the end, but like on the downtown, they were right about to flip it and they were chasing the dragons off the point. And then they C9 to lose it, which woke them up really for Mecha Base. But Mecha Base was another really big one because I, I think Busan was definitely the best map of the entire series. One, because of that C9 in the being, which you wouldn't expect from the dragons being as technically um, sound as they are and considering they were winning that fight. But then Busan was just a crazy one because when the dragons looked like they were going to take it, 
Shu was up on the high ground on a really weird flank. He popped his uh his amp matrix and took out three all on his own, really. And then the uh the charge flipped it at ninety nine, and they they really had a chance to hold it in the end. But they I mean the dragons had more ults, and they used it to complete. And then on the dragons capped the sanctuary map hundred to zero, I believe. No, it wasn't hundred to zero, but they capped it pretty pretty easily. So. You got really good plays out of both sides, and it was just a crazy map to watch. Um, I think just in general, Eileen really carried his team to victory here. Um, he had the better blades of the both teams, and the Dragons were good at, at countering him in the end, but with especially with like the Ant Matrix and stuff, but it just wasn't enough. Do you think this is the downfall of the Shanghai Dragons, or... Do you think that, okay, they lost this one. They've still been performing pretty well. They'll just come back and take it over next time. Uh, I think they'll take it next time. I think they let their foot off the gas a little too much here. And, uh, I mean, the charge did so well. I mean, the one person who I wanted to shout out in this entire match was Krong. Like, Krong on the off tank, he was insane. Like, this man is, I, I would say him and Choi Hyobin are probably, like, the two best off tanks that we have in the game right now like he's able to just shut down like dm or fled whenever he needs to and he just has that on hand like he knows His rocks are solid yeah like he knows how to throw that to make sure that it it shuts him down stuns him for you know x amount of time he's able to get the cleanup and it's just it's very important uh for the team and i honestly think that that was um you know, that's one of the big factors that allowed them to really uh, push forward and actually win the thing. Who's better? Who do you think? Krong or Fury? Because I think, like, Krong is good, but just the way Fury was... Fury did, a, I think, a lot of work helping the Fusion get as far as they did against Paris. Just because he was able to really deny so much out of Sparkle. And his fluxes were, were amazing. Like, he didn't... I don't think Fury missed a single rock the entire time we were watching. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's really tough to say like who's gets more value because I also think it, it depends on the team and their play style. Um, but yeah, Fury was really consistent as well. Um, you know, sadly, we can't have that cross, uh, like that full Overwatch League play yet. But yeah, that's going to be one to look out for. It's going to be if like, you know, do, Fury like, versus Krong. Krong and Fury going up head to head on Sigma. That's going to be an amazing match to watch. Yeah, I feel like that that match and like, you know, just straight up like EQO um, as well versus, you know, the the charge would just make a really interesting game in general. Um, I, I just hope that we can get to that point uh, somehow, maybe uh, maybe maybe later this year, maybe next year. Uh, just make sure that everybody is. You know, safe first. You know, health and safety is always priority number one. Uh, and then getting everything back to normalcy will be number two. For sure. How do you think this this win is going to affect how the charge play in the future? Because, I mean, again, like, I think a lot of what carried them was Eileen on the Genji. Um, so without that, do you think the charge are going to be... Because the charge are a strong team. I just wasn't sure whether they were a uh, a championship caliber team. 
So without that that really um, strong Genji, do you think that they they're able to stay where they are on top of the Asian region? Uh, that that is honestly a really tough tough question. Um, I really do think that it will come down to the to the nerfs and buffs that come in the future. Um, Eileen is just amazing on you know on Genji. We've seen him on other things as well, but like when he's on Genji, he really does stand out. Um, and if we get back to that point where we can see, you know, Genji being played all the time, you know, no no ban lists, no hero bans. I feel like uh, it'd be really interesting to see if this continues forward. Um, I feel like once again, like Brig is Brig Baptiste is going to be equally as important of shutting it down, but. Um. Yeah, I I really don't know how well the teams are going to be playing later on, um. But I just hope that whatever whatever the changes happen, I hope that like it doesn't erase this whole like Genji phase that we're back in. What do you think is more entertaining, watching the Genji play or Tracer play? Oh, I personally, both... I'm a I'm a more of a fan of the Tracer play, but I do like the good the big blade combos. But I, in yeah. general, I, I, I'm more inclined to watch a good tracer personally. It's um, I I like the Genji play because it has to be used with you know a tank play usually. Um, I'm I'm a guy who's more into like wombo combo kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I was totally down when like you know grab dragon was a thing or you know grab blade is not a thing surprisingly. Um. But like you know, flex blade has been happening. You know, pulls into into like two two slashes are really important. Um, but I do agree that like watching a good tracer is like amazing. It's just knowing knowing that they're making these split second decisions and like getting their ult. They're like the silent killer like the entire time. It's like you you just know that tracer is like behind you, uh, and you have to deal with this Genji that's just jumping around. Uh, it's like it's like if you have a kid who's like on a sugar rush, just bouncing around walls, and then there's like one kid who's stealing like your wallet. Like that that's exactly what's going on. The the one kid who's bouncing around is Genji, and the kid stealing your wallet is a uh, tracer. That's that's exactly what's happening in those fights. You really can't. You have to deal with one or the other. Uh, you can't you can't do them both at the same time. Okay, so let's move on to the North American one: the Eternal versus the Shock. Kevin, I want to know your feelings on this one. Oh man, this was a very, very close map. Honestly, like this whole match was, uh, it, it was, it was good. Like I could not be mad about any second of this play, just because, like, um, you know, both of these teams really did show up for this. Um, we we gave it our all, really. Um, we we had like. Just so much going on in this entire uh, this whole series, but um, really, I I just wanted the better team to win. Like honestly, when it came down to this, it came down to this match. It was essentially like, how well could you protect Sparkle um, for mm-hmm. for the uh, Paris Eternal versus who's gonna deal with Ons that on that was on the other side. Um, so you Excellent either Ons, just going at it on the sniper battles, exactly like. You you have to either deal with Ons or like deal with Sparkle 
Uh, and honestly, these teams just play at like an insane level. Like they're not just they're not just here to like you know tap some heads and hopefully call it a day. Um, they're just out there performing their best. And honestly, like it, it was just a good match. Like I have no other words to say other than like this is probably one of the best, like most close contested maps that I've ever seen. Like um I want you know I want more Overwatch like this. I want high classy like high flashy plays with like split second decisions making or breaking teams. Uh was not a fan of uh of Rialto. I'm gonna say that right now. You know, like <laughs> I, nobody wants to nobody wants to see eleven points captured, okay? Like we we just it's too long just kind of want dude. it done, okay? Um, but yeah, honestly, like other than that, like the maps themselves, like each one came down to the wire, uh, the teams played each other really closely and, uh, yeah, I just had, you know, if if anything, like Sparkle is winning rookie of the year, like there's no, there's no contest at this point. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, I think this matchup I think I definitely enjoyed this more than watching the actual finals. The finals was good, but this one was tense because you know how good the San Francisco Shock are. You know that they're a well-balanced team. And if anything, like this match really showed how how good these teams are, like how individual players were really good. Like Exe and Ons, that sniper battle was insane. They were going at it with each other. And Violet just... Not only is Violet a good healer, but he's getting kills on his Baptiste. I mean... You don't always see really good Baptiste, but if you want to find one, just look at Violet. Um, I think definitely, like, both teams really had their moments to shine. Like, if you look at, uh, which map was it? Like, Ilios. Ilios was pretty much, um, like, after that first, the first win on Ruins, like, the shock woke up and just really took it from them. Like, watching Choi Hyobin force a C9 with a flux never gets old. And then I think I just in the end I think Sparkle is what won it for them again just just monster on the Genji. Um, do you think if the San Francisco Shock had made it? Because I mean the the Philly Fusion were preparing for a battle against the San Francisco Shock. Do you think that the Shock would have taken it, or ha- having played with the uh, the San Francisco Shock before in such high stakes? And with the fusion always going the distance and never quite taking it, do you think that they would have won, or would it have been close, or would it have gone to the gosh dang seven maps that we had? Um, I believe it would have. This is this is how I hear the alternate future. Okay, I'm pulling out the time stone here. Uh, the old the alternate timeline of if the San Francisco Shock beat the Paris Eternal. When they faced off against the Philly Fusion, they they would have known how to play into it, right? Um, like, not saying that they didn't know how to play into it going into the Paris Eternal game, but they would have said, like, yo, you're doing the same exact thing as the Paris Eternal, and we just beat them. So they're fresh off of, like, learning how to, how to fight the Genji, learning how to, you know, shut it down as quickly as they can with, you know, X, Y, and Z. I feel like that would have translated over better um, if they were fighting into the fusion. But 
because they lost to the Paris Eternal, it just became like, you know, who's Genji is better at that point um, between Paris and uh, Philly. And I honestly think like, you know what, who, who wouldn't want to see two Dragon Blades flying around the entire game? Like that's just, it's just one of the most insane things that I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. If the Shock beat the Paris Eternal, they would have beat the Fusion. But if, because the Paris Eternal won, it was pretty much like Genji v Genji, you know, um, like which team can outperform the other. And yeah, that, that that's how I would have seen it. Okay, so let's move on to the finals. Now, if you're the Philly Fusion, Kevin, how do you feel right now after after always going the distance and then just no matter who you're up against, something goes wrong? Uh, just just hit them with the they're they're the new symbol. Uh, last year it was the uh, New York Excelsior, now it's the Philly Philly Fusion. Uh, the the funniest jokes that like I'm I've been reading. It's like man, everybody's like man should play chips uh, should play chips. You would you would have won you that game, man, if you play chips. Uh, I'm like uh, no, like I, honestly, is- like I don't know if that's like necessarily wrong because I mean. One of my biggest things about the the fusion is that they didn't change anything. They just kept running the same things into the wall over and over again. Like I I don't think aside from maybe like a widow or a tracer swap, they didn't really do anything to to respond to what the Paris Eternal were doing. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I Chipsa like it, would have actually done some good. It would have been interesting to see if, you know, they did that full swap in. Like if they swapped out uh EQO or or Carpe for Chipsa and they're just like, you know what? He's playing Genji. Go play Doomfist. We'll 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 just like, you know, we'll put Carpe on Tracer or something like that. Just put him on put him on everyone in the back. Um or I could have seen like this this is just like full like five head gaming here. They they swap out like Fury is good on on the Sigma, but just like imagine if they just went Sato Winston, they put Poco in on the Diva, and then they just went like Genji Doomfist and went full dive. Uh, because there's no there's nothing else in the game right now that's telling them that they, they can't play it. Um they probably still go like Brig Baptiste for the for the heel side, or oh yeah. I would even see like I could also see another old school, like if you really want to go old school, like Ana Lucio. I feel like that would have been hilarious to see like you know, Sparkle tried to deal with like Doomfist flying across the screen, a nano boosted Winston, Dragon Blade over the top. Like, just the if a team knows how to run dive, it would have been the Philly Fusion. And like, I would have, I wouldn't have mind seeing that on Gibraltar. Like, Gibraltar is a dive map, it is yeah. huge, it is wide, and it is the best place to take advantage of something like that. So, if if there was a switch up, uh, for like a full dive, just like screw it, let's just do it. Um, that would have been the call. It would have been on Gibraltar, but the fact that they're not changing anything means that they're they believe in their team. They know what they wanted to try out and what they wanted to do. But you know, sometimes like breathing a fresh, you know, a breath of life into the team is really important. We saw like at the very beginning of this game, we see um, you know soon. Uh, soon and nico like check in first and then they bring uh sparkle and z uh 
Zixie in, in and like it I, I don't know maybe that's like you know they bring soon back in on Nepal later um and I think that was that was it right yeah um but just giving your teams or giving your players some like rotations out and rotations in um may have helped them with their mental state like I know at least for myself if you have to play okay imagine sitting in a room for like three hours just playing one game and you have to like commit a hundred percent of your brain power to like playing it that is exactly what the philadelphia fusion did they're playing like three and a half hours banging their head against the wall and like not really having a break to really like recollect and like figure out what they wanted to do so also feel they're uh, playing at like four in the morning at like 200 ping from korea and just going for like eight hours in one day that, that that's the uh that's the best time to go like <laughs> that late at night that's what that's when that's when the uh the true gamer wakes up man they have, they have their mountain dew iv drift they're ready to go like that's just that's that's the best time um but honestly like yeah I feel like if they had a mental break or allowed the Philadelphia fusion, like it's a coaching staff did a sub, I would have liked to have seen it on Gibraltar. Um, and just them being like, you know what, let's just, let's just see how this runs rather than, you know, having to wait, wait out the entire time and hoping that it works. I think for me, just watching all like this was, this was to the wire. They were pretty much neck and neck. And what I do really like about Philly is that they were pretty much the one team who figured out how to counter Sparkle. Just rocking everywhere. Like, Sparkle was pretty much a non-issue just because Fury was able to counter him every time with that rock. So, um, then it kind of fell to Exy to do the work, but also Exy was really huge on sniping people out with whether he was on, like, McCree or if he was on the Ash or if he was on the Widow, like, still... No matter what, like Exy was there to pick up the slack when, um, whenever Sparkle became countered. Um, I think part of it also for me was like Philly was really really stuck in the the what the meta is right now. Like they kept the uh, whatever it was it was either Widow or um, it was Widow or Ash or McCree for um, who was playing it. For Carpe. For, for yeah, for yeah, Carpe. But, yeah. And the, it was either the Tracer or the Genji. And then the rest of the team was just Brig, si- uh, not Brig, Orisa Sigma, and then Brig Baptiste. Whereas if you yeah. look at the, uh, the, the Paris Eternal, they're changing things up all the time. We saw some Sim play. We saw Lucio play. We saw Ana play. We saw Ryan. We saw Winston. Like they, they were changing things up constantly. So, like, whereas the, the, Philly Fusion were just so predictable. Like they were effective, but they were predictable. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like you on paper, like you know that, you know, Philadelphia has like experience, X, Y, and Z, but if you get hard stuck at a certain point, you have to change something. Like I, I felt like they were like, oh yeah, we got we gotta win on King's Row and Volskaya, uh, that's fine. You know, the second that they lost the the other two, the uh, Gibraltar Nepal, like they should have been like, okay, you know what, we got to change something. Like at some point, you have to realize you can't keep doing the same thing. 
because they're gonna they're gonna figure it out so um that that's how that's how it is uh i just hope that you know philly is willing to be a little bit more flexible with their roster and their changes um if i well here's the thing that like i think about you know the paris eternal they they are a mixed a mixed roster it's the same style as like the san francisco shock and they utilize the same like you know tactic that we have where it's just like we have a bunch of players who are really good at everything right we could just plug and chug pieces and hope that it works um because i know that my team can do it and i know that we can like shake up the way how people are thinking so when it comes to like you know these teams like soon and sparkle probably don't speak the same language going into going into this game soon speaks like french and english sparkle maybe has a little bit of english under his belt but mostly korean so like the mixed roster team being able to plug and chug pieces in is really important to the sustainability of a team um and like yeah they're they're just able to shake it up on on the philadelphia fusion like philly philly has a one track like kind of deal going on here meanwhile paris is like you know what that uh zc take a take a seat uh Exit, go take a seat, man. We'll bring in soon for a sec. And then it's just like, you know what? Just take a seat. We'll bring in Ben Best. So it's like X, Y, and Z. Just start plugging people in. And yeah, that unpredictability is what I, I feel like Paris is bringing to this table. Um, and Philly never decided to break out of their shell. What do you think of the um, the Sparkle and EQO Genji battles? Oh man, that that reminds me of season two Overwatch. That's like classic, classic Genji battles. Is like where you start seeing, you know, you you start having. Well, for me at least, it was like dive flashbacks where you're just like, oh man, I remember when like you would set up the Genji for like a five k. Like you would you you do X Y and Z, man. You just pull them in like three slashes and they're out. Like that's just the way how it is. Um, I mean EQO's hold on um on Rialto was insane. Like that that hold, even though they didn't win the map, was was like insane on its own. But like Oh yeah, like that was that's highlight real worthy. Exactly. Like you don't forget those kinds of plays. It gave you hope that the, the Philly Fusion could win this one. Exactly. And that's what you wanted to see. You wanted to see, you know, the best teams play their best Overwatch. And uh yeah, it got got pretty intense. Uh I hope that uh later on we get to see a little bit of a shake up. At least uh Philadelphia can make that change. They know that they have the pieces to do it. It's just are you courageous enough to actually make it happen? I think for I don't know what do you think about this, but this was my take is that for me, it looked like Sparkle was the one who was the reason why I think Sparkle was more effective was because he was more proactive with his his Genji play. Like, um, I feel like he was always diving in. He was he was definitely building up his ult a lot faster than EQO was, and in a lot of times it was Sparkle who was the one who was kind of deciding on the engages, and he was the one who was forcing plays and making plays and getting the kills and being proactive. Whereas when I was watching EQO. It felt like he was just kind of reacting to the situation and pulling out the blade as a kind of a last resort, not as kind, not as a playmaking technique and not as something to really push. So I think 
I think that hesitation on EQ and that difference of style and mentality with between him and Sparkle, I think that's what made Sparkle the more effective Genji, even though um, Fury was really able to counter him in later maps and kind of kind of make his blade a non-issue. Yeah, it once again it does come down to like the in-game shot calling. I feel like Sparkle pretty much like set the tempo for his team. Meanwhile, I feel like at least for the fusion, I felt like it was either in the hands of uh, Fury or Alarm, um, the shot calling. So EQO, like even if he wanted to like go in and be like, you know, what, I'm gonna I'm gonna blade, I don't care. Uh, he couldn't really like tempo it with his team. Meanwhile, like Sparkle's just like, you know what, I got blade, let's go. Uh, like we're I I got I got a kill. Let's go. Let's move. Like it, it's a difference in like aggression when it comes to the way or the person who is the main shot caller on the team. Um, I could say that from personal experience. Like when I was on my team shot calling, I would take it a lot slower than if my uh, if I let my Genji player like do the shot calling. Um, like he's just like I got to kill let's move and I'm like okay let's go um compared to like when I play I'm like okay all right we we get a pick okay slowly slowly move back in somebody stay on cart we like it's just a tempo a slower tempo than what uh than what they want to play and yeah it it does make a difference uh especially when it comes down to the split second decisions so um yeah on occasion you will see like the genji get completely shut down but in that moment everybody's eyes are on that Genji. I give your team the opening to do what they want to do. What do you think the the Philly Fusion has to do in this next tournament to finally get a win? Uh, memes aside, switch it up. Um, I feel like they have, they have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of very good pieces. Um, it's just a matter of willing to, like, maybe go against the grain um i feel like yeah as long as they don't get hard stuck in their mentality and their strategy i feel like they'd win like they have the experience they have like the the reaction time they have the skill to do it it's just a matter of not hitting the same wall over and over again like switch it up like switch up the composition switch up the players playing like do anything like that is the reason why like they they took off the hero pool so you can do that okay so take that into full advantage like play poco like play chipsa just do something different so you just don't hit a rut all the time and so who do you think is going to be if assuming they do finally make it to the finals in the next tournament who do you think is going to be their opponent is it going to be the shock again because i'm I think it's going to be the shock. As much as I would love to see Paris get there again, because I, I do like Paris as a team, I think the shock are, are still going to come back and take it. Um, I feel like, once again, it does determine... it. It is determined by the way how the teams are playing to get to this final tournament. Um, obviously, we saw a big meta shift um, coming in once those Genji buffs came in. So that changed a lot of things. What if there's like something later down the line where like, you know, I I don't expect it. Well, I well maybe, it, we're getting we're getting around that uh that eight month line, you know, um, where we might get another hero. Pretty soon. Not not saying I'm I'm just looking at the calendar. Okay, not just like. 
I'm theory crafting a little bit, but like if there is a time that they're going to release like a new hero, let's just say, you know, we, we got echo a little bit ago, but like, there's gotta be something else that's going to shake up the way how the game is played. Uh, either meta shifts, balance shifts. Like if a Mer- if mercy gets a buff, you, you could expect to see a lot more echo. Um, it's just like, it really depends on the patch notes and how the teams take it. Um, and that will change up the way how, how a lot of teams play it. Um, if Genji does get said, said nerf or Brig gets a nerf, uh, you won't really be seeing a lot of these Genji Dragon Blade plays. Not a lot of them, or not without a nano boost or something. So uh, it's a lot to think about um, going into this next, you know, tournament. But honestly, I do think the Shock have the the personnel to do it. So did the Philly Fusion. Um, but, you know, it's still up in the air. Any team can do it. It really depends on the meta and the way how teams play it. Anything else we want to talk about? I think that that covers the uh, the summer showdown pretty well. Uh, not not really. There's not there's nothing new other than uh, make sure to catch the tournament I will be casting, um, this weekend. I will uh, make sure to give Matt the Matt the link to the Twitch channel uh, that I will be casting on. Uh, it's please uh, if if you guys are gonna show up. Uh, Thank you, thank you for the support. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be my first time going back to Overwatch in a long time. Uh, I think the last Overwatch tournament that I casted was pre Rona, uh, so <laughs> like I think it was like January or something like that. Wow, that's a long time. So it's been a while. I'm refreshing myself. Like uh, I I know my maps down pretty well. I know the abilities, but um, luckily for me, I don't have to do the the play-by-play commentary to this time around i'm allowed to do just color commentary so expect to expect me to drop some coach wisdom uh on the analyst desk i'm currently adding the link in our twitter page so if you want to check it out y'all can so yeah well thanks for tuning in this week guys where there's no overwatch league next week because they're on a break getting ready for the final tournament of the season and uh yeah well we'll we'll get back to you next week with all the uh, the news Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next week, guys. Next week, the league is off, but we will update you on any news that comes our way. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.